All right, a few announcements that I'd like to share with you guys. First of all, just a quick reminder, we have a youth Bible question and answer time coming up. That'll be this coming Thursday, and this is for the teenage years, so 13 up to 19. Anybody that would be part of the youth group here, uh, please feel free to send your Bible questions either to Garrett, our youth pastor, or you can send them through to the church phone, and we'll make sure that Garrett gets those. And then Thursday, 6 p.m., we're going to do that via live stream. Now, we've been doing this for the kids, and we've had an incredible response to it. The kids have really gotten into it. We have yet to even schedule the next official kids Q&A time. They're already sending me questions. Moms and dads are saying, listen, they're piling up. We need to deal with this. So we're going to schedule that in the near future. I've also actually had some adults writing in say, what about us? So we are going to schedule also an adult time for this. You might remember, this was a, a, some months ago now, we were doing a Bible Q&A vlog on our YouTube page, and for a number of reasons, that just wasn't uh, conducive to continue. However, I think what we can do is, is compile these questions and then do an hour-long Q&A time during, during a live stream. And uh, so we'll make sure to get these questions answered. So feel free to start sending them in. We'll compile them, separate them into the necessary age groups, and on we go. But this Thursday with the youth, uh, this will be live. So please tune in. That way, if you have extra questions or maybe need more clarity on a certain answer, you can put it into the comment section, and Garrett can uh, deal with that. All right, also, this uh, evening we have our normal time of evening service, but it is a Bible school class. Now, please understand, you don't have to be enrolled in the Bible school to benefit from the class. All right? This acts as our evening service, and we're going through the Gospel of John verse by verse. So if you're in the Bible school, of course, you want to take some extra good notes because you're going to have exams and so forth, but anybody I think can benefit from this. So 6 p.m. tonight, Gospel of John, we'll be getting started with that. Also to remind you, we have an event this afternoon, 2 p.m., right here in the church hall. This will be, I announced it for single people from student age up to senior age, anywhere in there if you're single. Let me clarify even further, if you are unmarried, Unmarried. Now, the reason I think this is important, there almost a third group gets created. Sometimes you have uh, you have people that are married. You have couples, right? And then you have people that are unmarried and uninvolved. They don't have a boyfriend, girlfriend. And then you have those folks in the middle. They're they're seeing somebody. So where do they fall? Are they're kind of coupled, but they haven't said I do. So are they single? Are they married? They're unmarried. Right? So that's, that's the way we want to approach this. There are going to be certain events where we would limit it just, if, if we're going to say couples, just married couples. Right? Certain events might qualify for that. But this particular event, if you are not married, even if you're seeing somebody, please feel free. This is an opportunity to get to know one another and enjoy some fellowship together and also maybe meet somebody that's gone through certain struggles similar to yours and you can find some, some help and support and comfort that way. But uh, this afternoon you're watching the movie War Room. Just out of curiosity, how many of you have seen this movie? Just put your hand up. Okay. A little more than half of you. It's an excellent movie, I think. So if you haven't seen it, please pitch up. And if you have, come and get reminded of uh, the point of that movie, right? It's all about prayer. Excellent, excellent movie. All right, that'll be 2 o'clock this afternoon. Any questions, please see Tanya right after the service, and she's been the one organizing this for us. 
All right, the next thing I'd like to remind you of the seating. As you can see, this on the inside, this is about what we've been doing. Uh, we are now allowing you to, to choose the seat uh, as you come in. And it is first come, first serve. And all you folks outside, how are we doing out there? Yeah, okay, right, good. good. <laughs> we, we, we got it. We, we're going to make great use of that out, outside area, right? Uh, that's great to see the folks enjoying that part of it. So, uh, for those of you that are at home and not sure how this is working now, we have about 50 seats inside, I think 50 on the dot, and then about 30 outside. We do have a contingency plan in case of rain or other uh, weather problems. Uh, however, I want to say this. I, I hope I'm not overstepping because I didn't ask Francois. Where's Francois? I hope this is okay. Brother, you give me the thumbs up just in case. Okay. It would j just wait for me to announce. He's giving me the thumbs up. He doesn't even know what the... <laughs> announcement <laughs> whatever you say pastor <laughs> it's good <laughs> I, i'm gonna say if you're gonna sit outside bring if you want to bring your own chair like a camping chair or a, you know a cot or something to help yourself uh but you might as well make the most of it while you're out there right you can bring a kettle braai yeah bring come on spray right <laughs> so make yourself at home enjoy it while while you can who knows once all the lockdown stuff is over, we might continue to do something like that out there. Why not? Uh, but this reminds me to ask you to please pray about our building situation. Because of all the lockdown stuff, the paperwork just keeps getting pushed back and pushed back by the municipality. But we're still doing what we can. We're going to try to see an architect very soon and get that ball rolling as much as we can. All right, a few prayer requests. Please uh, keep these in mind. You know what, just dawned on me. Francois, I think he asked me to, brother, make sure I'm announcing this properly. It is first come, first serve. If you want to sit outside, if that's your preference, if you show up and there's seats available inside, you're welcome to sit outside anyway. So just to make that clear, it's first come, first serve. Pick your seat, wherever that might be. So just to make that clear. All right, Ivan and Mahi, you folks remember, these are missionaries we support in uh, Indonesia on the island of Atademo. They have come down extremely sick, and not just their, their whole family, mom, dad, kids, everybody, but the entire island has come down very sick. And they're not sure what this is, if it's COVID or something else. It's not as if they have a clinic or a hospital that they can visit and get tested. Uh, as far as I know, Ivan and Mahi are the closest thing that they have two medical professionals. So uh, please pray for them because there's just, uh, there's not that many options to find help. Also, many of you know Joanne, a young lady in our church, her little baby, Tadi, has been taken to ICE or is admitted into ICU and that little baby has pneumonia. So if you would please pray for Tadi, pray for Joanne. Uh, God give them grace in this. And also, if you would remember Um Isaac, we've been announcing his upcoming surgery has double bypass tomorrow so if you would please keep him in your prayers he's been through quite an ordeal recently and I'm sure all of us know of somebody else that's been struggling under the recent uh, on, under the COVID regulations and sickness of COVID and whatnot so I, we just don't have time to mention all of those needs but please continue to pray for these things all right we're going to sing another song and if you would take the same song sheet, turn it over. We're going to sing Jesus Loves Even Me. And if I could ask you to please stand again. And you folks continue to sing out and sing from your heart. You folks outside, sing extra loud so that your beautiful sounds float into the building with us. Jesus Loves Even Me. Jesus Loves Even Me. 
I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Though I forget him and wander away, still he doth love me wherever I stray. Back to his dear loving arms would I flee when I remember that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Oh, if there's only one song I can sing, when in his beauty I see the great King, this shall my song in eternity be. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated again. And this morning, what we would typically do is go right into the sermon. This morning, I'm going to do something slightly different. Uh, Brother Garrett is going to be bringing us this morning's message. I am simply going to give you a word of testimony, and I have mentioned to a couple of people this is an announcement I've never made before, and one that I'll never make again. This will be the only time in my life I ever get to tell this story, so I wanted to do it right. I think many of you already know the nuts and bolts of this story. In case you don't, let me just briefly fill you in. After I got saved, 3rd of August, 1996, it took absolutely no time at all to be out on the streets, in the workplace, in car parks, nursing homes. We went to juvenile detention facilities, anywhere God would let me go. My, myself and my wife, we were constantly trying to tell people about the Lord. And of course, when you get saved, it's so wonderful you find out there's victory in Jesus and that Jesus loves even me. It's those, those truths are so simple but so profound. You can't help but want to share that with everybody you can. And of course, the people that are already close and dear to your heart, those are the people that you obviously want to reach, I want to say the most. I want to see anybody get saved, but your mom, your dad, your brothers and sisters. Those are, I think, the first people we reach out to. We, we want to make sure they know what we've found out. And after I got saved, <clears throat> I uh, immediately reached out to my family. I called my dad, told him I'd been born again, and he uh, was offended. I called my aunt. She was a nun. 
a missionary nun. She had lived in Africa, Nigeria, for over 20 years. She was upset. My grandfather said, Mike, we will not have anybody of this persuasion in our family. You're out of the will. I wrote my mother a letter. For those of you that, that don't know, my mother left when I was six years old, had no contact with us while we were growing up. That's my sister and I. I wrote her a letter and said, Mom, um, just want you to know that God has made a difference in my life. I've changed, and I tried to spell it out. I did it very gently because my mother is a, was a staunch atheist. She grew highly offended at that and didn't speak to me for over 18 years because of that letter. And I didn't ask her to make any decisions. I was simply telling her what I had done, what the Lord had done in my life and the decision I had made. I tried to reach out to my dad. My dad was a staunch Catholic, and he would not, would not open an ear to it. He let me talk, but he really, he was enduring unto the end. He didn't want to hear it. A few years had gone by. I had gone to Bible school by this point. This was Christmas of 2001. I was visiting my sister in California. She was, she is married to a, a Marine. They were stationed in Camp Pendleton in uh, San Diego, California. I, I visited there for a couple of weeks. This was shortly before we moved to Africa. The past, <clears throat> I'm sorry, the pastor of the church there, he didn't like the gentleman that trained me in Bible school very much. Now that was their issue, but unfortunately it spilled over to me. He didn't want to let me speak in his church at all. I didn't ask, <laughs> but he came over and bluntly said, you're not going to present your burden or speak in our church. Well, he found out that our dad came to visit for that Christmas break. So I, something that I can, only, I can only say the Lord worked this out, that pastor actually came to me and said, Brother Flick, I know that I had said you won't speak, but I found out your dad's in town. Would you like to, to preach our special Christmas service? I said, Brother, that would be a great honor. This was the first time in my dad's life he had ever gone to a church that wasn't a Catholic church. He had never sat through a Bible preaching service and heard the gospel, ever. He was age 55 at the time. He sat through the Christmas service. I preached. I kept it short, but to the point. I saw my dad break down in tears, weeping uncontrollably. He found me right after the service just barreling through the crowd. My dad is not a small guy. He's just pushing through the crowd. People are flying left and right. He comes over to him and he grabs my hand and tears coming down his cheeks and he said, son, I don't agree with everything you said, but you really said it well. Good job. He shook my hand. And first time he had ever shown or given any reaction to the gospel. He actually invited me out for uh, not so much a coffee, but a hamburger. We went to McDonald's and we sat down and he, he had a few Bible questions. Now as a Catholic, that's, I wanted to say illegal, that's outlawed. You're not allowed to ask Bible questions to anybody but a priest. So for him to sit down with me, a very young man, somewhat freshly, newly saved, you know, I'm not, I, I've, been, I've been around for a few years by that point, but not, I'm not an expert in anything, but and to top it off, his own son. It's not easy for a grown man to come to his son with questions of any nature. 
I did my best to answer the questions, but still no real responses to getting saved or anything like that. While I was in Bible school, I had such a burden. I, I, I prayed constantly. I asked other people to pray. I arranged for a man in our Bible school. He was in his 50s, Brother Melton, Ken Melton. I said, would you please drive to go see my dad and witness to him? He drove from Florida to Missouri, which is about, I want to say, a 20-hour drive. He drove all the way there just to talk to my dad. He got there, and I would love to tell you that the story is amazing, that my dad opened up and said, thank you for making this big trip just to talk to me. But my dad, when he met Brother Ken, he just said, listen, I don't need to hear any of this. I'm good with what I have. Uh, Safe travels. That was about it. But we tried. We tried. And as the years went on, I must admit it, when I first tried to reach my dad, I, I had more zeal than wisdom. And I just, blah, I just told him everything. It was too much. I didn't really know how to approach that properly. But, but God knows this. I was sincere. I was genuine. And my dad knew that, I think. As, the, as, as things developed, I, I began to travel the country and preach in many churches and there was a certain sermon that God often allowed me to preach I've preached it for you but several years ago it's called the greatest soul winner ever maybe some of you might remember that and and I don't want to give away the entire sermon I might preach it again one day Uh, enough of you will leave eventually I can preach it to the new crowd right (laughs) and for those of you that stick around you'll forget that I ever preached it a while back at the end of that sermon I give an illustration wherein my dad is standing before the judgment. And I give both sides what God will say, what my dad would say based on what he's told me and how things are not going to turn out very nice. And because I end on that note, I cannot, and I mean it, I cannot tell you how many times people have come to me directly after that sermon, tears running down their face and say, Brother Flick, we just want you to know we're going to be praying for your dad. Brother, don't, don't worry. In due time, God's going to do something. We're going to be praying for your dad. Not dozens, not hundreds, and I, I am not exaggerating. Thousands of people have come to me and said, we're praying for your dad. People came and shared their testimonies and said, you know, I prayed for my dad, my mom, 20, 30, 40, 50 years sometimes. And I must admit, I thought, well good for you you don't know how hard my dad is so we'll certainly be praying didn't know what else to do just pray fast forward several years we've been in Africa now a while I finally reach out to my mother this was only a few years back she actually responded very hard antagonistic But she responded. We begin to chat about small things, right? How's the weather? How's your garden? Things of that nature. And unfortunately, a little over a year ago, my mother passed away. Cancer. I offered to go visit her. I said, Mom, I'll get on a plane. I'll be right there because she was not going to last long. The cancer, it had metastasized and gone from being breast cancer into her brain, and it was not good. I said, Mama, I'll be right there. I'd, I'd love to see you before it's too late. She said, no. 
and wouldn't explain why. I reached out to my sister. I said, any idea why mom's being difficult? They had a better relationship than us. And she said, Mike, I don't know. That's just how mom is. Mom passed away never having said goodbye. Never even hinting that she even thought about believing in God. Um, in that sermon that I preach, I always ended it by saying, I may not be able to reach my dad, so I'm going to stay busy trying to reach somebody else's dad. And I've carried that thought with me, and I have tried my best to live that out. And I will never get to reach my mom, but by the grace of God, I'm going to reach somebody else's mom. There are mothers in this room right now that we got to see come to Christ. And as a result of that mom getting saved, now their children have, are getting saved. What else can you do? I didn't get to reach my mom. By the grace of God, we'll keep reaching somebody else's mom. I have prayed and prayed and prayed and said, Oh God, please give me an open door with my dad. Show me when to say something, because God knows I've said so much over the years. When do I say what I should say? My dad lives with his older brother. Not a great situation. His older brother is a very hard man. He will not allow my dad to think about this. And I mean that. As soon as my dad brings up the topic of religion, Uncle John shuts it down. I've been praying for months that God would get Uncle John out of the house just long enough so that I could have a conversation with my dad. There's no way of knowing when that's going to happen. I can't exactly call my dad and say, listen, when John leaves, call me. <laughs> that seems a little too childish, right? Last Sunday, Valentine's Day, we had a busy day here at church. Great day, great day, but a busy day. Right before Bible school started, I called my dad on FaceTime and said, hey dad, how you doing? Just wanted to see if you're all right. It's been snowing ridiculously in America. He's been snowed in. They thought about, they almost lost power, which in America is a big thing. <laughs> that just doesn't happen, right? To hear that, for, for us, that's a Tuesday, but, but for, for them, that's a big deal. Small talk. And before that, that phone call ended, my dad said, you know, son, have you ever thought about the difference between hearing and listening? I said, yes. What do you think that means? And he said, well, you know, sometimes people can talk and, and you hear that they're doing it, but you really don't think about what they're saying, so you hear it and don't listen. I thought, yes, yes, Dad, I, I know that that happens. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, that's what's been happening for 25 years. Every time I tell you about the gospel, you hear it, but you don't. But I, I just, I left it there. I didn't say that. He said, you know, there's a great story in the Bible, maybe you've read it, about Cain and Abel. <laughs> I wrote a book on that. <laughs> yeah, I've read it. I've read it. He said, you know, uh, the Lord was out there in the garden with Cain and Abel. But that's not how the story goes. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Abel, he was the farmer. That's not how that goes. And then Cain, you know, he got angry. Uh, with, you know, he had the sheep and then God uh, told Cain, I thought, Dad, wow, that is, <laughs> just, just smile and listen. I said, Dad, I, you know what? 
Maybe just go back and check that story. I'm not sure that's how it goes. He said, no, son, I just read it yesterday. I said, I'm, I'm, Dad, if you don't mind, and I read him the story. He said, I'm going to have to check that out. I said, okay, i got to go to Bible school. We'll talk later. After Bible school, many of you know Marco Polo. It's an app that little, you can make little videos and send back and forth. I, I had a Marco Polo waiting for me. My dad said, yeah, I read that story. You're right. <laughs> Abel was the shepherd and Cain was the farmer and God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. And yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't have that right. But yeah, you, you, you had it right. I said, Dad, interestingly enough, the last time I was home, you and I sat down at a restaurant for over an hour and talked about that story. And for the first time that I can remember, my dad apologized. He said, son, I'm so sorry. I heard you, but I wasn't listening. And right then I realized something's going on here. That's not how he talks. He said, that was in my younger years when he was 72. <laughs> that was in my younger years when I wasn't as mature. He said, but now I'm listening. I said, Dad, let me take you through it again. Abel was a shepherd and he offered a lamb. He sacrificed a lamb and God accepts the death of a lamb as a sacrifice for sins, but never will he accept the work of your hands growing of fruit and vegetables. Those are the good works that you offer God, and He'll never accept that, but He will accept the death of a lamb, and that's why God accepted what Jesus did. It was the Lamb of God who gave Himself for our sins. My dad came back and said, that makes sense. I'd told him that story no less than five times in the past 25 years. He said, that makes sense. I said, Dad, I just want to be sure that we're on the same page. You realize that no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, it will never be enough. That is why Jesus had to come and die. I said, you and I, we, we were in the same church for a long time. We've heard the same things. You have heard that Jesus died for your sin, that he was buried and rose again. I said, Dad, I heard that too as you took me to church every Sunday. But what I could never figure out is, if I have to be a good person and save myself by keeping the commandments, then why does Jesus have to die? He came back on. He said, well, you see, son, there's the Father, there's the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit. And the Father sent the Son so that the Son could die. And that way, if we keep the commandments as best we can, well, then, yeah, I don't know how that makes sense. I thought, this isn't me doing it. This is the Holy Spirit opening his eyes. I said, Dad, if you, if you're the, if you have come to this realization, you, you really need to think this all the way through. If you stand before God on the day of judgment and he says, why should I let you in? Which one are you going to be, Cain or Abel? Are you going to try to give God your basket filled with good works? Or are you going to say, God, I'm trusting the death of that lamb? You can't have both. You can't be Cain and Abel. My dad came back on and said, son, I want to be Abel. I don't want to be Cain. I began to, I began to cry. I didn't know what to think or say or do. I, 
for 20, almost 25 years, all I've gotten from my dad is, is dodging this issue, and now he's going right at it. I said, Dad, th- I said, if, if you're ready, there's a knock at the door. And if you can hear that voice and hear that man knocking, you can open to him. And he said, what are you talking about? I, I said, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. He's ready to come in. He's waiting for you to invite him. Now, what's so interesting about this, there is a picture in the house that I grew up in. It still hangs next to my bedroom door of Jesus knocking at a door, and there's no handle on the outside. Years ago, I explained to my dad what that picture's about. The handle's on the inside because each individual has to open that door. Jesus is on the outside knocking where there's no handle. I quoted that verse to my dad. He came back on and said, son, that's the picture that's out by your bedroom. I said, dad, I, I think maybe you heard me and you didn't listen, but I said, yes, we've talked about it. I said, I, I, I think now you can fully appreciate what that picture's about. He came back on. He said, son, I want the Lord in my heart. Hmm. <sighs> I said, Dad, I, I can hardly believe you're asking me this. He wanted to know what to do. I said, Dad, right where you're at, all you need to do is say, I don't want to be Cain, I want to be able. Put down your fruit basket. Take your faith out of what you're doing and put your faith in the death of the Lamb. He came back, he said, Son, if I do this, I I think that might work. I said, no need for guessing. You don't have to wish that it works. I I asked him a simple question. Can God lie? He said, no. Jesus promised that if you open the door, He will come in. Now, Dad, I don't think He lied. He's waiting for you to open the door. My dad, as a typical Catholic, he recites prayers. He says prayers. He doesn't really do a lot of talking to God. He came back on and said, Son, I don't want to be Cain. I want to accept what Jesus did. I want Him to come in my heart. I want to have eternal life. And then in the midst of the message, he switched and started talking to the Lord. And said, Lord, please come in my heart and save me. Twenty-four and a half years I had waited for that to happen. And I'm going to close my testimony just reading this portion of Scripture. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it, You may not find that coin for 24 years, but you seek diligently. Jesus continued by saying, And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. 
And this is precisely why I wanted to wait until Sunday morning to let this news out to you, my church family, my church friends. The peace that has been lost in his life, 74, almost 75 years, has finally been found. And I've called you all together to rejoice with me. Jesus said in Luke 15, 10, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. I can't tell you how difficult of a week it's been to keep this inside. <laughs> I had to let a little bit of the pressure off throughout the week. I told some people, I got big news Sunday, but you have to wait. <laughs> Guys, thank you. So many of you, you've heard me talk about my dad in the years gone by, and I know many of you have prayed and prayed diligently for my dad. Thank you so much for your prayers. And now I can be on the other side of this story. I can be one of those that come to you and say, if you have a lost loved one, be patient and let God keep working. Continue to sweep the house and seek diligently because I promise you, you will never regret the efforts you make to reach your loved ones. And if you can't reach your mom, just reach somebody else's mom. And if God would be so merciful, that one that you think will never turn and never soften, <laughs> just taste and see what the Lord can do. What a wonderful thing. Thank you so much for all of your prayers. And with that being said, we're now going to stand and sing together, It Is Well With My Soul, which I think is very appropriate. Let's all stand and sing this together. We'll have the musicians come back up. It Is Well With My Soul. All right, you guys have been singing so well. Let's have you sing out just as good now the song we all know and love. It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. 
Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as the scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. All right. Good morning, everyone. Um, feels like anything that I'm going to say now <laughs> is um, just going to be one step below that. Um, wow. 
It is absolutely, absolutely wonderful news. I'm so glad we could be a part of that. We praise God for what He's done. I want you to open to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. And um, I want to piggyback <clears throat> off of what Pastor Mike has, has said this morning in 2 Corinthians Uh, chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is certainly the case for someone who just gets saved. And... Um, we praise God that, that Pastor Mike's brother in this moment, even if he should pass in this very moment, even though there's lots of sin and things he still needs to deal with, he is a new creature in Christ. He's a new creature because of what Christ has done inside of him, not because of what he has done. And that is the good news of the gospel. It's not works. It's what God has done for us, how He became sin for us. Verse 18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Now this ministry of reconciliation, in Pastor Mike's case, was one of 24 and a half years. And Pastor, brother, I don't know when you got saved, it was also around 22, 20. 20. So there was a ministry of reconciliation of 20 years that Christ was trying to reach Pastor Mike. And then that ministry got handed over to Pastor Mike and he was trying to reach his father through um, the message of the gospel. And now, just as we get reconciled to Christ through this gospel, now his father is also reconciled to Christ. Verse 19, to what that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, when, um, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, ye be reconciled to God. My question to every one of you this morning is have you been reconciled to God? Have you accepted the message of the gospel? You see, as Pastor Mike said this morning, if, if you could reconcile yourself to God, if you could gather up enough good works, then there would be no need for a Savior. But from pictures in the Old Testament straight through, we find that God is reconciling through His means. And now it's an eternal one through Jesus Christ, who is eternally in the heavens, ever interceding for us, ever pleading our case. And that is what Jesus has done for us. And then it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us. That is, God made Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let that sink in. When God looks at your soul, if you are saved, 
he sees righteousness. He sees perfect, spotless Jesus Christ. We cannot ever deserve that. Ever. Because regardless of what you're doing presently, what you've done in your past, you've built up judgment. You've built up the wrath of God against your soul. And Jesus comes and he says, give that to me. It's nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is well with my soul. I hope it is well with your soul this morning. You can turn to 1 Thessalonians um, chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I am. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to preach what I had prepared this morning, um, in its entirety. Um, but we'll get to it in due course. But in this chapter, chapter four and chapter five, we read. We finished. You know, recently. Well, not that recently, actually. But a while ago, we were studying through the book of Thessalonians, and we finished off at um, in chapter five, verse eleven. And we had just finished off things pertaining to the second coming, things pertaining to the rapture of Jesus Christ. And um, in this chapter, in, in chapter 4, verse, verse 18, after dealing with the subject of what happens to those who have fallen asleep. Now, those who are fallen asleep is those who have passed away. So those who are saved know Jesus Christ. Their souls are eternally secure, but they have passed away. So the Bible in, the, in this context refers to those those bodies as being asleep. They are waiting to get up again when the rapture, when Jesus comes. And then in verse 18 of chapter 4, it says, wherefore, wherefore comfort one another with these words. These words that Jesus is returning, these are supposed to be words of comfort. And they can only be words of comfort if you know on which side of the judgment, whether you're on Cain's side or on Abel's side. Look at um, verse 11 of chapter 5. It says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as you do. In the verses preceding that, he was also speaking about how Christians should prepare for this day of the rapture. Should we be concerned about watching the signs? Should we be concerned about following this theory and that theory, should that be what a Christian is concerning himself as we see the day approaching? No, we have signs to see that the day is approaching, but that should spur us on to more good works. That should spur us on to reach more people with the gospel. The Christian should be concerned about what it is that God wants me to do. What has he said? I will study it and I will do it. Even if we see that day coming. Now, in verse 11 it says, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. That is what this message of Jesus' returning should bring to you. It should bring comfort. Because Jesus will make all things right. Because, as it says in verse um, 9, it says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is returning before that time of wrath so that we can obtain, so if we have obtained salvation through Him. And that is, should be our hope. 
when we were studying through the earlier chapters of 1 Thessalonians, I told you hope is holding on to the promises of eternity. And there's, there's no promise that will bring you hope more than the promise that God will make all things right. That the state that this world is in right now, the state that your life is in right now, is, it can only get better from here. But if you're not saved, the only promise you have is that God is just and that God is righteous. And a good judge and a righteous God cannot accept sin. And so that is not a promise you want to hold on to. And so that won't bring comfort. But knowing that you have been saved from wrath, you are no longer a children of wrath, but that you're a child of the light, you're a child of Jesus Christ, that is what can bring you hope. And that is what hope is, is holding on to that promise of eternity. You know, we don't like thinking about death. We don't like thinking about that that one day will be our part. Because especially if you're, if you're not saved, but for the Christian it must be death where is thy sting? <laughs> the sting of death is taken away. Because from the moment I pass on to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And um, that's why I'm saying it. There's comfort. There's hope in this message. And um, I just want to encourage you this morning not to, not to lose hope in these, these trying times we're in. Not to think of this life as everything that there is in, to offer in this life. Because God, or Christ, has overcome death. And one day he will make all, thing, all things right. In verse 16 of chapter 5 it says, Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. How do you rejoice if life is not always good? If life is not always happy? If your circumstances aren't always great? If you have questions? If, you, if things just don't make sense? How do you always rejoice? In Philippians 4 verse 4 it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. It's in the Lord. Now, if you're not in Christ, how do you find a means or a source to always rejoice? <laughs> you can't. You will be cast down. You will be pommeled around by this world. One Bible commentator, Albert Barnes, said the following. He said, The principal joy of the true, true Christian should be in the Lord. He should find his happiness not in riches or in gaiety, that's like fun or frivolousness, in vanity or ambition or books or in the world in any form, but in communion with the Lord Jesus and in the hope of eternal life through him. You see, in Jesus, hope of eternal life, there, <laughs> that's the only place you're going to find eternal rejoicing in friendship and in service should be the highest of our joys, and in these we may always be happy. It is the privilege, therefore, of a Christian to rejoice. He has more sources of joy than any other man, sources 
which do not fail when others fail. Religion is not sadness or melancholy, I don't know how to pronounce that. It is joy. And the Christian should never leave the impression on others that um, should never leave the impression on others that his religion makes him either gloomy or morose. A cheerful countenance, an eye of compassion, um, a conversation pleasant and kind should always display the joy of his heart. And, all, and in all the, his contact with the world around him, he should show that his heart is full of joy. Our hearts need to display joy to the world outside. In especially in the most trying times, because we have this joy that Pastor Mike experiences personally on behalf of his Father because of Jesus Christ. We, need, we should be taking that message that we can be reconciled to God, that we can et have eternal hope, that we can, regardless of situations, rejoice. That is one of our greatest witnessing tools that we have to this world. Because where you find yourself in an office of people who do not have that, where you find yourself in a classroom of people who don't rejoice in everything. In fact, the only thing many people are concerned about, what is the next thing that can lift me up from this depression, from this, this state where I constantly have to chase the next experience. Because without that experience, I'm sinking, I'm sinking. It's a way to numb themselves. And so we should show that, yes, I do face the trials of life, but I am not cast down. We mourn, but not as those who do not have hope, because we have Jesus. And so I want us to, I didn't want to detract from what happened this morning, because I think it's very special. And I think it stirred all of our hearts. And I pray that, that if you have this joy in you, that you will display it to the world, that it will reach others around you. And if you do not have this joy in you, that you will ask, that you will seek, because if you seek, you will find. And if you knock, the door will be open to you. And you can have promises of eternity that will give you eternal hope. Amen. Amen. You may stand. could bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to trust that, uh, and Sean, if you could play something quietly, give you just a moment to consider what you've heard this morning. I've shared with you a, a story that will eternally be special to me. And now I, I want to direct your attention to your story. Right now, this morning, you're about to write the next line in your autobiography. How does it read? Do you want to walk out the door as Cain or as Abel? All of us, when we walk out this door, 
we face the same world, the same challenges. Jesus said in the world, you'll have tribulation. Here's what makes the difference. You can walk out the door. Troubles on the outside, Jesus on the inside. Or you walk out of the door, troubles on the outside, and you're all by yourself. You open your heart this morning and say, Lord Jesus, please come in, save me. Here's the promise. He said, I will never leave thee. I'll never forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Do you hear it? Men will try to do something. That's the world. But in Jesus, we have reason to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. This is a time between you and the Lord. Can I ask you this morning, if you've never made that decision to open your heart and let Jesus Christ in to save you, to change you, to make you that new creature, all we can do is present the facts as best we can and make your decision as clear as we can. I think we've done that. If you're here today and you've never made that decision, I'd like to pray for you. Would you slip your hand up? You can put it right back down. I, I won't embarrass you. I won't point you out. Thank you. Anybody else say, preacher, just pray for me. I, I'm, I know what the decision is about. Just ask God to help me with this. Anybody else, inside or out? Sitting inside or at, sitting outside, I, I can poke my head outside there and just check. I want to make sure I pray for all the people that need it. We want to know the next line of your story. Oh, God, please help that person. Help these folks. The next line to cause heaven to rejoice. To find joy and comfort for your soul. That precious coin was lost and that lady swept and swept and swept until it was found. Anybody else say, preacher, just pray for me. I appreciate the honesty. Thank you. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Oh God, I can barely contain oh Lord why should I Father thank you thank you thank you God thank you all I want to do is shout from the house housetops thank you God praise your holy name thank you for your great long suffering for your mercy oh God How did you do that, God? Oh, God, thank you. How All glory and honor and power and blessing is due unto you, Lord. 
Dr. Golia Thank you for saving an old sinner. For the A-list celebrities to get his patients in shape quickly. He Lord, no dieting. There are people here today still facing that decision. Might this be the next step in their story? Might it not take the 25 years it took my dad? God, might this be the day of their new birth? Whatever that stumbling block is, whatever's keeping them from turning their heart to you, today, God, please, bring them over that hump. Get them over that obstacle. Might that heart open and Jesus enter and that eternal joy and comfort begin right now. The only thing that can make this day better, Lord, is if another person repents, if another, another coin gets found, another sheep gets put on your shoulders, another prodigal son comes home. Father, we commit these people into your hands and we ask you to do the work We've done what we could. We've carried the message, Lord. We've carried the message. We believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all that believe it. We believe the Holy Spirit will do the work in this person, these people's hearts. Oh God, thank you today I can come to this church and rejoice with my loved ones, my friends, my neighbors, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh God. Thank you. I get to share this news with a, a, a room and a courtyard full of people that are invested in it. That actually share that joy, that rejoice with them that do rejoice. Please, Lord, let somebody else get saved so we can rejoice even more. Thank you, God, for speaking to our hearts today. Thank you for the encouragement we found in the testimony and in your word. Lord, we are eager to see your Son. Please, God, this promise you've given us of Him coming back, please let it be today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.